for my money, it's chaga, chaga. just because it has so many different things in it. And it's so dense. It's so dense with antioxidants and all sorts of goodies. All right. So that was Joel Green, the founder of Primal Cold, the inventor of the jetpack, um, holder of multiple patents, modern day philosopher, mushroom expert. Uh, this is a man who is is brilliant. And I cannot tell you how excited I am every time I get to talk to him. I am breaking this marathon of a conversation up into two podcasts. So this week you'll get the first half where we will talk about anything and everything. And I am suggesting that you tie your socks on tight because if you don't, Joel is going to absolutely knock your socks off. Without further ado, let's get to becoming legendary with Joel Green. Maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legendary. Become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself one percent better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. Joel, welcome back to becoming legendary. The first time ever, two-time guest. Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> it's so tremendous excited. to be back. It's um, amazing to be back. Ah, man, I'll tell you, it's. This is the funniest thing ever because I have told so many people about how rad you are and like people like, like we we've we've interacted on social media a little bit. We had a podcast, but people think that you're my friend because I think that you're my friend. So I, I'm so happy. <laughs> um, I want to ask you a question that I've never been able to ask before. What recent changes have become a part of your typical day? Ah, um, sure. Is, is this in response because you normally open up podcasts asking people about their morning routines? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what has changed? Um, well, let's see. So things that haven't changed, first of all. So like uh, starting out with uh, red lights in the morning when I take a shower. Still in the that's shower. That's the same. Heck yeah. That's the same. <laughs> uh, packing the kids' school lunches, loading them up with, with spring water, all that stuff. That's the same. Um, I've been – I guess I've been changing up the the drinks in the morning, the, be the morning breakfast mm. beverages. So uh, with coffee, I've been adding – since we're getting into autumn and we're going to be cruising into winter here pretty soon, I've started adding – kind of classic wintertime uh, spices to my coffee. Um, and so I'll throw some cinnamon in there. I'll throw some clove in there. Or sometimes the way to go um, will be and nutmeg too. But sometimes I will just throw thieves oil in there. I'm, I'm not oh, sure yeah. if you're familiar sure. with that. For sure. That's a great essential oil mix that blends in perfectly if you're adding some you know, MCT oil or whatever into your coffee. Um, and it, it is a nice it, – it's, ah. it's not going to wreck you like the – the um the over sugared pumpkin spice latte yes. it's got that lovely it's got that great like you know uh those notes of of the holidays and and all of that and so that's that's a beautiful thing and then uh, let's see i've also been doing i've been doing two beverages in the morning so you got the coffee but then i also do a uh just a nice iced drink that is spring water electrolytes uh, some BHB, which is just uh, beta hybridity beta hybridity I'm losing it right now. Um, you did. There we go. Brox. I can't believe I'm forgetting this. Anyways, um, exogenous ketones. Exogenous basically, ketones. Um, I like the um, butate. Right. What is it? The Nutri NutriKeto brand. I, I like okay. a lot because beta hydroxybutrate. This is hilarious. Hydroxybutrate. Right. Beta hydroxybutyrate. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank we you, got Patrick. there. We yeah. got there. <laughs> we got there. Thank you. So, so I especially like the um, the Nutriketo brand because it does have, or any brand that has uh, different forms of the BHB in there. So you can have a magnesium based one. You can have a sodium based one and, and potassium, a potassium right? based one. Yeah. yeah. So if you if you combine all those, that's a that's a great thing. And they're and using then, all three. Th throw all three in there yeah they're using all three and wow. then um and then i'll throw in some just to get the greens i'll throw in some chlorella and um some spirulina yeah and then let's see 
cucumber every day. Mm. Do, doing the cuca day thing. Um, okay, is just to eat just to eat something that's mostly water and mm. it's mostly it's kind of like a it's kind of like a water bottle without a container because yeah. it's mostly water and it's yeah. filtered by the plant. So that's what's new in the morning. Yeah. So I I, I want to get right in. I'm, I want to go back to water because one of the things that I did um, just kind of as a way of reminiscing about about our previous podcast is I listened back through the previous podcast, which um, I haven't done in a while. So getting to hear our conversation before, one of the things that I found really fascinating is I recognized a level of brilliance in you in re-listening that I didn't, I didn't pick up on the first time. So you were talking about, you were talking with some really nuanced, uh, some, some levels of engagement and I was only picking up on the surface layer and there were, there were so many things that I just completely missed before. And part of it was because you were talking from the perspective of a biohacker, sure, but you're really more of a philosopher, I realized, while, while I was re-listening to that. And I was communicating to you as a biohacker. So I missed the philosophy aspect of the things that, that you had brought up. And I felt like in re-listening, I was really bummed that I, I wasn't in tune enough to pick up on that. So in the last two I, years... I don't I, know if I was either. <laughs> <laughs> well... I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you, I, I, there was one thing where we talked about the water coming through pipes, right? And, and you're kind of, uh, you're kind of rethinking the way you're consuming water in a lot of ways came from that idea of how foreign it is for water to travel through pipes and have these twists and these turns. And the reality is when water travels, it, it is changing its structure, I mean, there, there are there are structural changes in, in the in the molecular level of things as they as they move and they interact with their environment. So, it, cucumber is a really interesting way to consume water. Yeah, uh, unexam. I think it's unexamined, uh, unexamined elements of life. I think is mm. is what is what I find interesting. Mm. Things that we just take for granted all the time and. Um, yeah, looking at things in a new way and cracking your head open a little bit is is just so refreshing. Um, <laughs> do you know? Do you know how that became part of your life experience? No, <laughs> <laughs> That's I think answer. part of it is right. Part of it is part of it is nurture. Part of it is nature. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes life takes you there. I suppose. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I'm a uh, parent, I'm, I'm married. I've, I've got a family. I've got two kids. My oldest son um, is on the autism spectrum, and yeah. so that that definitely got me into biohacking and got me um, thinking about things in a different way. And 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 beyond that, though, oh, I don't know. I don't know how far how nuanced we want to go right now. But I'm um, way more open these days. I don't know. <laughs> it's it, it, it's interesting. I mean, first first you try. We, we have this like we have this godlike access to information now uh -huh. and so we have this um, I think we have an illusion that we have you know maybe a lot more control than we actually do because of that and then when you try to uh, you try to fix something you try to improve something um, you're you're entitled to that work but not necessarily the outcome of that work and so and so it's an interesting journey to get to the, to get to to pass through empowerment and empowerment and having some inner authority to act and improve things is so important. But then also being able to accept uh, whatever outcomes there are and pivot from there um, is also important. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask if I can just tweak that slightly and see if this makes more sense to you. So I think we actually have a illusion to godlike access to information um we're able mm -hmm. to we're able to access a, a remarkable amount of information um and in fact i think this what we what we're currently thinking of as intelligence this like ability to memorize things this ability to hold hold information in our brain is actually going to be very quickly um put in a very quickly very quickly changed from 
this thing that we all think is amazing to this thing that we take for granted that doesn't mean anything at all. Because our phone right now, without a doubt, has the capacity to have more answers than we can ever hold in our brain. I think we actually have a godlike ability to create in that literally, quite literally, right? We, we consume a cucumber and we, we create a human being. So anytime we're consuming anything, we're not consuming a cucumber and then making a, a, a cucumber. We're consuming a cucumber, breaking that down to a molecular level, and then re reconstructing those molecules into a human being, creating a human being. Or, yeah, or creating, yeah, creating a healthier version of you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so have you, I, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Deepak Chopra. I'm familiar with Deepak yeah. Chopra, for sure. So I've been, I've been listening to him. I find it interesting to listen to people at different ends of the spectrum. Uh, but anyways, I'm, I'm going down that rabbit hole again right now. And he he talks about, and this resonates you know, so much for me from the with what's going on in the biohacking community. He talks about placebo and also nocebo. Mm-hmm. And nocebos are – so placebos are essentially beliefs that you have that something is going to help you. And nocebos are the opposite of that. Yeah. And, and so doctors, for example, they're very aware that, that their, uh, what they communicate to their patient can have a very real impact on the outcome of that patient's disease mm. state, for example. Mm. Um, and, and so this, this gets back to intention, really. Um, and, and, and what you were saying about, uh, being able to essentially, uh, uh, manifest things and, and, uh, it's not really about the information per se. I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, the, the comment that I made about the godlike access to information, it's really like you have all of these anecdotes that you can tap into. Um, and some of those anecdotes are real and some are maybe just advertising or wishful thinking and, and you, so there's a lot of hope that can be pinned on that too. You, you see things online, you're, you're hoping that will fix something and that'll be sure. the magic bullet. But yeah, so, so Deepak, he, he mentions this fascinating thing, which is, um, this, this research on, uh, people who had, who had just, who had risk factors, um, for a heart attack. And, mm. and so w what they did in this study is they, um, they tried to address these people's risk factors. They said, look, you're going to, you're more likely to suffer from a heart attack if you don't quit smoking, uh, lower your cholesterol, lower your blood pressure, all of this stuff, get some exercise. Right. And what they, what they really found was that the outcome, uh, it, these people may have lowered their risk factors, but it didn't actually lower, um, the, their incidence of having a heart attack. And so that, that's an interesting thing. And so where he was getting at with this is that it really came down to the perspective and the intention of each uh. individual. If they are approaching their improvement, uh, in a fear-based way, if you're saying essentially, I need to do this or else I'm going to die, uh. right? the stress, the stress that you bring to bear on that will get you. And, and if you, if you approach it from a place of empowerment and some inner calm, um, and positivity, you're going to have a better outcome. And that is both a very enlightening and empowering piece of information to know, but it's also terrifying if you tend to be more on the neurotic or stressed outside. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Man, man, there is so much wisdom in that. That is really remarkable. And so what, what I think is interesting with what, what you're doing, um, and I don't know that much about, about what you're doing because I haven't been down to that space just yeah. through Instagram and all yeah. that. I mean, you're, you're creating in many ways uh, a space and a container for calm yeah. and relaxation and community, and it's something where – a person who has gone there and they're part of that community, as soon as they step in there, I would imagine their nervous system and their body immediately associates it with those relaxed states that they've been in before there. And it just helps them get into that, into that mode of, of some calm and some peace. Yes. Anecdotally, but, but at the same time, um, 
with my own personal experience in exactly in exactly this over the course of six years of of running vitality right the reality is that uh when vitality opened it was very much designed to function within the fitness space and if i'm honest with myself the fitness space is quite boring um, the fitness space is, hey, we're going to jump on uh, this stationary device and we're going to move on this stationary device without just repetitive movements over and 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 over again until we've punished ourselves enough to justify the lifestyle that we're living. That That's kind of how the fitness space is working now. And over the course of six years, what I've actually learned is... I can create more physical change in someone's body by getting them out of the mentality that they need to punish themselves and having them sit down and meditate than I could ever do by having them do a repeated exercise 20,000 times a week. And I think it comes exactly from how you're, how you are interacting with your willingness to move, right? If, if your willingness to move is tied to the fact that you need to punish yourself because you've consumed a pizza, then you're going to have a completely different result than if you said, hey, I had a pizza and it was an amazing half hour where I sat down with my amazing friends and like ate this thing that like maybe it didn't nourish my cells in an optimal way, but it nourished my soul in a way that was really rewarding. And now I can't do that every single day because I won't nourish my soul the same way, right? If you eat pizza every single day, it's not nourishing your soul. But if you eat pizza once a year, once a month, like there's a different interaction that you can have with that food. Absolutely. So, so in a, to twist it a little bit, I yes. mean, they say that they say that like Warren Buffett, he, he eats McDonald's every day and drinks Diet Coke every day, but right. he is so relaxed yeah. that he can he can alchemically transform that into what his body needs um, because, because your, your body is also a pharmacy and it can make whatever it needs. And so people are, you know, you, you talked about the pizza and, and people feeling bad that it was the wrong food, but you know, people may also have motivations of, well, first of all, biohackers, I, I think the nocebo effect is playing a huge role there because if you know what is wrong with every single thing you're putting in your body and on your body yeah. and you're you're thinking about that constantly yeah that's an easy trap to get into and that can make you feel a little crazy yeah so that you can't even enjoy that pizza because you you know you're so sensitive you're so dialed in because you've cleaned your diet up and your your lifestyle and all that yeah and then you feel you really feel those effects, and then you mentally punish yourself for it. Yes. And then you go, then you go to work out and stuff because you don't feel as great, and you feel like you don't look as great because you're comparing yourself to all the nonsense on the phone. And and so there's so many ways that that we can feel, yeah, inadequate, and then that that essentially perpetuates it in some way. Um, yeah. So it's almost like ignorance is bliss on some level too. Um, just like Warren Buffett eating the McDonald's. Yeah. That dude's still alive. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Good for him. So, so, so there's like these opposites. I, I like to pull from the opposites too. And it's, yeah, it's uh, what a strange world. But yeah, I, I completely see what you're talking about where if you can just, if you can get to people on an emotional level yeah. and meet them there, that's where the, that's where the work is done. The, the the potential the potential opportunity is is certainly infinite in that space um, whereas a as a physical container we really do have a limitation which is, that's a perfect okay this is the perfect I, I should tell you that in the last two years I would say in the last year specifically 2019 right like you've you've heard about some of my changes in my life but in 2019 the way I've been describing 2019 for most people is that I've been able to live 50 years of life. So I, I feel legitimately like I've picked up 50 years of, of wisdom and experience in the last uh, 10 months. Um, 
part of that experience for me has been I've really fallen away from the biohacking world. And I, I've completely shifted my focus and my experience in a really, in a really different, in a really different avenue. Now, one of the things that I haven't really fallen away from, because probably because of the simplicity, is the jetpack. So I want to know. I want to first just acknowledge to you, hey, I am not in touch with the biohacking world. You're going to know so much more than I could ever possibly imagine. But I want to know what's new in the world of primal cold. What's new? Um... Let's see. Uh, I've got, I've actually got like a, a pro athlete um, who, who was really at the top of their field, uh, who's been using the jetpack for uh, well over a year, and who broke records um, while using that as part of their their training. Um, and and they don't want to, they don't want to let the rabbit out of the, out of the <laughs> they don't want to let anyone know yet. So I respect that. I respect that, and it's it's amazing to um, to be able to interact with um, with people like that that yeah. are so driven and at the top of their game, and so they want to keep it under wraps for uh, probably a few more years, and that's that's fine with me. I'm happy to just help people. Um, so that's <laughs> that's an interesting thing. That's crazy. Um, I'm, I'm getting a yeah. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of good feedback. Um, with the jetpack, it is it is such an interesting thing, and I'm, uh, there's certainly a lot of interest from women. Um, mm. I get I get I get a lot of uh, women who are purchasing the jetpack for mm. for men in their lives. Yeah, um, and and so yeah, one of the I have a, a real interesting story uh, actually from someone who's a who teaches yoga, and they they got a jetpack, and they didn't get it. So you know, most people that are getting it. Uh, that are picking up a jetpack. They're interested in, you know, optimizing their uh, balls function and trying to do everything they can to to get a healthy hormone balance. Because we have uh, so much, there's so many pressures in the world that are essentially just cratering men's T levels. And you've yeah. got, you know, you have data that's showing decade over decade declines in men's um, testosterone levels. And that's a, a pretty terrifying thing. So it seems like you do have to kind of think outside of the box. But, but this, this one, this one guy, he, uh, he was using it and he had, I can't remember what this condition is called, but essentially you have a very uh, tortuous anatomy in your blood vessels in the testicles. So what this means is you have lower blood flow because of that. And then you have pain as a result. Mm. And this apparently afflicts a lot of men. And so, so he started using, using it for that reason, because even though, uh, cold exposure, uh, slows down blood flow in the short term, what it's doing is, is it will, you know, contract your blood vessels, but it gets everything. It squeezes that old blood out mm. and gets fresh blood in there. And so, so that immediately took care of, I don't know what it was like 90 or 95% of his pain issues with that. Wow. And he was telling, so this is the hilarious part though, is he's telling it, he was at a party. He was telling his friends about this. None of his guy friends cared. They're like, whatever, I'm fine. But then one by one, their girlfriend, the girlfriends <laughs> of these guys would come up to him and be like, what, what is this? And so I thought that was very telling that, that the guys, they think they're fine, but then For the sure. girls come up later and they want to know more about it. Um, so, that is yeah, so, that's so interesting. interesting. Such an interesting window just into human experience there, right? Like we all yeah. will justify, we all will justify our position and um, say we're fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. I've been paying more attention to, um, so I'm a big fan of, of chaga, that, yeah. that medicinal mushroom. And I'm just in general, I've always been interested in, in fungi. Um, but there's some oh. interesting similarities between humans and medicinal mushrooms. And this mm -hmm. all kind of relates to the jetpack and and putting your body under a little bit of stress yeah. that you know simulates what kind of stress we we would have gotten from the environment if we weren't wearing so many clothes and under you know bathed in fluorescent lights all the time and indoors and all of that so 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 chaga is 
uh, is such an interesting medicinal mushroom. It has just a ridiculous amount of, of varied compounds um, that I, I could rant and list them all. But so there's superoxide dismutase, there's beta glucans, there's melanin, um, there's betulinic acid, all this stuff. Anyways, so this this fungus grows on birch trees in very cold environments. And when researchers took this fungus and, and when you culture it indoors in a lab environment, it doesn't make the same uh, medicinal compounds that really? it does when it's outdoors. Yeah. Wow. It doesn't. It essentially becomes senescent. It just sort of gets weak and frail. Huh. But then and so this is very much like people. Like you you For live sure. indoors all the time. You're drinking water out of this, you know, freaking water cooler. It's just like all this plastic and pipes and nonsense. And and you're you know, I, I say this not in judgment, but in sympathy and empathy. And yeah. because because I, you know, I uh, am in an office quite a bit too. So it happens. But what's interesting is you can take that old tired weak strain and then you can expose it you can shock mm -hmm. it with cold and you can revive that thing and then it will start putting out some some medicinal compounds wow and so that yeah that that's very interesting and and plants do the same thing people um, that grow like echinacea and other medicinal plants they know that if you want the most potent plants yeah you you Stress harvest it. the ones that are in the weakest poorest driest soil yeah and and those are the ones that really have concentrated all the goodies, and so ah. yeah, so so treating your body a little bit like a caveman is, is certainly a good thing. I so man, it's funny. It's funny um, as a guy who's grown a, a lot of plants and a lot of plants for for medicinal reasons. One of the things that I really have loved doing is putting those plants under really, really stressful situations because they absolutely produce more of the compounds that you're, that you're most interested in when you do that. Um, but I've never been smart enough to connect that to the human experience. And I think that is such a, such a perfect analogy that <laughs> it's remarkable. I mean... This is exactly what I'm talking about. This is the stuff that I wouldn't have picked up on last time. And I I just can't I just can't believe how many of these little beautiful windows of insight you have, Joel. Can we go back into Chaga? You I I know you're a big fan of Chaga. I don't know how and I know for 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 people who don't know, Joel discovered a species of mushroom in Arizona. You've named that species of mushroom. You're like pretty much the raddest dude ever, right? We can we can agree on that. Yeah. So just for clarity, I didn't uh, I didn't name that mushroom. You didn't the, name the it. The person you, who you discovered I, it. I discovered it, but the the um, the the world authority in that genus, yeah. he was the one who named it. So we co-authored the paper. He named that thing. But um, yeah. So let, can I give you another example of of fungi under stress yes. and what that translates to and why why it'll be a good reminder for you to ice your balls with a jetpack. Yes. Okay. So cordyceps. Yes. Have you heard of cordyceps? Absolutely. All right. So that that's the that's the caterpillar fungus. So yes. this thing grows at a high altitude um, up in Tibet at like fourteen thousand feet on these uh, caterpillars that hibernate or they do something in their life cycle underground and then this fungus infects them. And literally and grows on them, wrecks them, yeah, and then just grows out of them. So, yes. so this this cordyceps it makes all sorts of interesting medicinal compounds. I don't actually know much about the compounds in that one. Um, apparently, they're very good for uh, cardiovascular yeah. um, dilation and allowing you to get more blood flow. And um, Olympic athletes have used these to like break world records and all sorts of craziness. But so what's interesting is you, you bring this thing down to sea level and you grow it at sea level mm. it's not going to make it's going to mm. make about half of the amount of medicinal compounds as it does up at elevation in a low oxygen <laughs> stressed environment and so there's actually a company that has a patent on cultivating that fungus in a low oxygen environment mm. um, so yeah it, it is just interesting how this works how so so that so they've done it by oxygen restriction yeah yeah and probably cold would do it too yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Chaga. Yeah. So back to Chaga. Yeah. That one. 
What's interesting is birch, the birch tree itself is, is known to be very medicinal. Super medicinal. Yeah. And, and so, so chaga is, it's essentially a parasite on the birch tree and it sucks all of the betulinic acid out of mm. that birch and then it transforms it. So it maintains, it keeps a lot of that betulinic acid, but then it makes a lot of these other compounds, some that are water soluble, some that are alcohol soluble, some that are low temperature extractable, some that are high temperature extractable. Yeah. So it makes this entire uh, the spectrum of chemicals yeah. and you've got to get at them at different ways to get them out. But, um, I like it in yes. some ways just because I'm lazy and I feel like if you're only gonna ingest one wild food for my money, it's chaga, chaga. just because it has so many different things in it. And it's so dense. It's so dense with antioxidants and all sorts of goodies. It's such um, a, it's such yeah. a unique, I mean, it's just, it just has a, a, a texture and a feel that just, it seems alien. It just, it, it has a taste that is like, uh, really different and unique from other mushroom species. It blends well with everything. What are the, and I know, I know you've, you do some different extraction methods, right? I mean, um, is there a typical extraction that you really like? So if, well, this, so this gets back to the placebo effect, um, uh, first. So before, before we even talk about extraction method, you talk about sourcing it and with any supplement, anything you're going to take uh, back to the placebo and nocebo, you should be completely sold on it. You should read enough stuff about it so that you are excited and you know what it's going to do for you. You should brainwash yourself. You should completely drink the Kool-Aid on it so that you have maximum positivity related to this thing that you're going to be taking because then that is going to get you the absolute most benefit from it. Um, if you're taking it out of fear, you're hosed. Um, totally makes sense. And, and it just changes the way you experience the consumption, right? Like if you, if Absolutely. you're, you're going to have a different level of appreciation as you're consuming something, if you know how many amazing things it's doing for you. Totally. So yes, yeah, so what I do, if I'm doing tea, so I'll, yeah, there's a few different things you can do. Um, if I'm, if I'm drinking tea, oh yeah. So, so getting back to this placebo and brainwashing yourself, what I really like to do is I like to get, I like to source stuff from the coldest regions possible. Yes. So instead of getting chaga from, I mean, Minnesota can be pretty darn cold, so that's fine. It's very good stuff. There's nothing wrong with it. It's yeah. all just mental. But if you can get something from Alaska, yeah. then much colder, yep. much colder. So um, I like to get stuff that's harvested just by individuals and then uh, ground up yep. as well. Um, chunks, chunks are nice too. You can just throw those in some, in some hot water and that's a good way to go. But if I'm making tea, generally I'll do a cold extraction first. Okay. Um, and if you actually leave it, if you make a sun tea with it, it might even produce some vitamin D mm. when it's out in the sun, because a lot of, um, edible mushrooms, for example, like shiitake, things like that. Yeah. Even if you take dried, uh, specimens of them, and leave them in the sun, they'll produce vitamin D. It's the nuttiest thing. There's apparently good research on this. So anyways, I'll just make a sun tea first and drink that um, and then keep the grounds and then do a low boil, pour that off and drink that, and then do a very high, longer boil. Mm. So you start with low temperature extraction and move up from there because if you just throw it in uh, the, if you just take chaga and throw it in and do a rolling boil for a long time first, you're going to potentially um, lose a lot of sort of more delicate and volatile initial compounds that yeah. are easily just extracted out with cold water. Mm. And there's a different, and I think I think this is true. This could just be made up. But I really think it's true because you can taste a difference. It's mm. the initial cold extraction is much more bitter, I would mm. say. And then as you do a longer, uh, if you make a hot tea, it's a lot more mellow and, and earthy. Huh? So there's, there's something to that. Um, I love that can, idea. Yeah. And then you can, you can buy, um, 
you can buy dual extract extracted stuff as well, which yep. will pull different compounds out. Um, and those are quite, quite easy to get on Amazon and it's just a powder. You throw that in some hot water and it's just a beautiful, tasty, restorative beverage. Yeah. Um, let me, let me just ask. So I've never done the, I've never done the cold sun extraction. So that's going to be a part of my program. Do you have, um, do you have a duration that you like to extract in either the low or rolling boil? I know you've kind of been experimenting yeah. with the with the duration, so I'm curious as so, if you yeah. settled on anything. Yeah, so generally what I'll do is I'll just bring the water to a boil, throw the grounds in there, cover and 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 put a lid on the container, and then just take it off the heat, and then just let that simmer uh, and and cool down yep. for half an hour before drinking it and sometimes it i i cannot figure out what this is i think it is um let's see so sometimes you get this almost like an oily looking sheen on top yeah and if you draw a spoon through that it will just stick to the spoon i think these are sterols um which Ah. are sort of like plant hormones hormones. but i'm not sure i'm not sure if that's what it is in there but there sometimes i i'll see that in the in the extraction or in the tea and other times not. And I'm not sure if that's because I'm destroying it or, or what the heck is going on. Um, but it's interesting just to pay attention as you make it. Um, but, and then, yeah, so the first one, I'll just bring it to a boil and then turn the heat off. Um, and, and then the second, the second and final or third and final, whatever you want to call it, but the second hot extraction, I will, I'll just boil that for a pretty good amount of time. Okay. And you can just keep boiling and boiling until you're like, well, it's not giving up much else and then chuck it into the garden or something. Okay. Now let me, so let me, I have this one other thing that sometimes I'll do that probably doesn't make any sense at all. Like most of my things. So one of the things that the, that is relatively well known about chaga is the, the strength of the cell wall, right? And, yeah. and that's why you, you have to have these extraction processes to get out the nutrients. Um, one of the things that I've done and I've noticed no benefit from this. So you could say, well, that's a terrible idea, which I'm lots of my ideas are terrible ideas. So I'm good with that. Um, I'll at the end, at the end of my extraction, sometimes I'll put it in the Vitamix and I'll just grind it up into as small, uh, 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 I'll grind it up into as liquid a form as I can possibly make it. Perfect. And I'll, I'll, I'll either do another extraction from that or. Sometimes I'll just consume that liquid. Totally, totally. Yeah. Okay. okay. Good. That's dialed in. Yeah. Yeah. So all all fungi, like all mushrooms, have a cell wall made of chitin, yeah. and that's the same material that, um, like insect uh, exoskeletons are made from, and I believe like lobsters and stuff like that. Their shells are made from chitin. Yeah, very hard material, and so the first way to get around that is through starting with a ground material because you're physically breaking up a good amount of those cell walls and then heat is the next way to go after that for sure um yeah and then absolutely just mechanically doing it with vitamix after you've gotten all the grounds pretty soft that's great i mean i think traditionally the the Siberian tribes that consumed chaga, they would add it to stews and just, yeah, they would eat it. Okay. So that totally makes sense. Cause I love doing good. that. It's very good instinct. Yeah. yeah. Oh, first time ever. Heck you're yeah. You're dialed in. Oh, come on. <laughs> you're, so much, you're so much more dialed in than me. Trust me. <laughs> oh, that, that is, that is fun. So chaga is a big thing. Um, a big thing around the studio the, these days. In 2019, we uh, we switched away from what's more of like a traditional yogic tea, um, kind of a chai with some of those fall spices. And we, we switched over to a blend that is, the base is made out of chaga. And then we do, um, to, to bring in some herbal components to the base, we do a second tea, which has uh, Damiana, Let's see, Damiana, red clover, nice, holy basil, and one other that I can't think of right now. But it just makes this really earthy, grounded tea. Plus, you have this base that you've made out of chaga, which is just 
oh, man, I'll tell you what, it, it nourishes you in a way that is really, really tangible. And I, I love it. Are you guys doing a, like a, a crock pot kind of a thing? Yes. Where you just keep it simmering all the time? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, it, that's great. So it, we'll do these for big events. And basically it simmers, um, it simmers for about two days before we, uh, before we, before we, before we serve it. Um, I just, I love it. My cats love it. Okay. Oh, and that reminds me, I want to talk about the she legit too. Okay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> tell me, tell me about the cats loving Chaga. Oh yeah. They love, I don't know. It's, it's one, one cat in particular. He's really drawn to wild things like that. He really likes the Chaga. I think they really, they all do. And they like, they're interested in the Shilajit as well. But yeah, the Chaga, I actually use that, um, as part of this. So one of my cats, when he was a kitten, he had an abscess and I used ozone and chaga tea to cure that abscess. Mm. Um, it was mostly the ozone that did it really, uh, more than the chaga, I think, but I had to throw some chaga in there, uh, just, <laughs> just, to, just to be safe. How did you deliver the ozone? So, uh, so this is such an interesting story. So he's a young, healthy, vibrant cat. We named him Bowie after David Bowie. Um, and he, he had on his neck, he had an abscess. I think he'd just gotten in a cat fight. So he had this infected layer of skin with a pretty large infected pocket. I would Mm -hmm. say it was maybe, um, like an inch and a half, two inches across. It was pretty big, especially for a kitten. Yeah. And we, we took him to the vet, uh, I believe twice and, they irrigated out and they put some nonsense antibiotic stuff in there and it did nothing. Mm. And, and, and it got to this point where he just smelled, Mm. he smelled like death Mm -hmm. and it freaked me out because my kids, everyone's loving this kitten so much. And I felt powerless. I felt absolutely powerless. And when you're powerless, the first thing you should do is go onto YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing, the first thing you should do is, is realize that, I mean, what I realized is, holy smokes, I was giving all of my power Mm. to the vet for this problem. It's actually a very simple problem. This is not, this is not surgery. I'm not performing surgery on my cat. This is actually very simple, but I had not, I had not thought to just act on my own in this situation. And, so I looked this up on YouTube. You find it's actually very easy to, uh, you know, just use a plastic blunt tipped syringe to irrigate out an abscess like this to clear out all that uh, bacteria um, that is making this poor kitten smell like death. Yeah. And and then I used uh, we have this very inexpensive uh, ozone generator. It was like a ninety dollar thing, and so you can use this to load up water for example with with o3 gas and so i irrigated this abscess a few times in the evening um, with this ozonated water that had some chaga in it as well and by the morning this is like maybe 12 hours later yeah that abscess was completely closed up to the point where when i tried to irrigate it i couldn't get any (laughs) fluid in there and there's something like ozone. That's another you know weird biohacking thing. There's something magic just about oxygen, yeah. especially O3. Yeah. Um, but really, if, to me, it was just a lesson in in being able to act on your mm. own instead of mm. instead of just like handing over all of the the power mm. and thinking <laughs> these people have the answer. Please <laughs> take my money and fix the cat because it wasn't working. Yeah. But I had to learn that lesson twice. Um, take the take the cat to the vet twice before i finally got that through my head ah <laughs> uh, man there's there is there's so much freedom in in embracing the idea that you have the ability to respond to everything in your life um and and this is a thing that i talk about a lot is that a lot of times we feel like responsibility is a burden and something that we need to run from. But 
it's it's when we don't have responsibility, right? When we don't have the ability to respond to something that we feel helpless. So the moment we take in the the idea that we are are both capable and willing to respond, we accept the responsibility and life is really about those freedoms. And that's how you discover things like fixing an absence in, in two days. Is that 12 hours. 12 hours. 12 <laughs> hours. That was the stunning part. It was 12. I mean, I was shocked. I was shocked. So, and I, you know, I, uh. do, sorry, sorry. Do you know the yeah. device name? Cause that sounds like it did a really good job. If you, oh my gosh. So there are different, first of all, anyone who's interested in ozone should just listen to some, I don't know, listen to some podcasts. I think, you know, Butterman, Dave Asprey, he's got some good interviews on that. Um, I can't speak intelligently about it, except that O3, it's a very small molecule. It can penetrate tissues deeply. It's very antiseptic. It can be very healing. But but there's different types of ozone generators. There's medical grade ones where you need a a bottle of oxygen to plug into that thing. And those are going to run you about 1500 bucks. And that's the kind of thing where um, medical grade ozone, you can, you can directly put that gas right in your body. Um, but the one I'm using is just a cheapo $90 thing. And with that, you can ozonate, um, water with it, which is nice. And then you can just flow that gas over cuts and scrapes and wounds. And it's very helpful for that, but you wouldn't want to directly, um, put it into your body. So the way that people are, are doing this is they're either, uh, inserting a tube vaginally if you're uh, female or rectally, you can mm. also go that route. And apparently if you're using a medical grade ozone, you can even go right into the bloodstream. Mm. You can just pop this into a vein yeah. and it's not, apparently the gas just immediately dissipates. And mm. so you're not going to kill yourself by putting a bunch of air bubbles in your, in your bloodstream. But that's, that is way above my pay grade. I, you know, I, the, the model of that, I actually don't have the generator at home right now. I lent it out to a friend of mine who needed it for his kid. Um, so yeah, another interesting thing you can do though with the, is so if you just Google it, just look on Amazon, you can get a $90 one, no problem. But another thing you can do is you can bag a limb with this thing. Mm. So, so what that means is if you have, let's say you have an issue with your hand, yeah, you can, uh, hang on, let me get a drink of water here. Yeah. <clears throat> so you can, you can just have, you can take the tube where the, the ozone gas is coming out of and you put a bag around your hand and then you put that <clears throat> tube in the bag as well. And the bag fills up with the gas and then it's just going to slightly pressurize that bag. If you have a decent seal around around that bag and your wrist, for example, the bag inflates a little bit. And then that O3 just gets driven into, into all the, the tissue tissues there. of wow. your hand as, yeah, as much as possible. It's kind of a budget. It's, it's a very poor man's approach to it, but it's, it's very effective just to bag a limb. Um, if you have some kind of issue with an ankle or whatever, yeah. it's, it's very interesting. And, uh, I assume it was a, it was a Corona generator. Is that, is that true? I am not sure. Okay. I ordered it so long ago. <sighs> totally fair. Just had it knocking around. I, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe I just they, had to get rid of better I, ones. I had to get rid of mine. Mine, uh, I, I finally, mine my, my no longer, no longer functioned. Um, so I'm, I'm back in the market. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm excited. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do some, some fun research after we're done talking today. <laughs> It's it's an interesting thing. Go down the yeah to go all down all these different rabbit holes, and then you just have it on hand, and and you're like, wait a minute, my pet has an issue. Yes, let me throw some ozone at that. Yes, um, or you know your kid, or you get a cut or a scrape, and you just flow that over it. It's it's so interesting. It's the fun, fun I, man. Yes, so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. Can- all right, so that was that was nerd level biohacking. Can we can we go back, or should we go back to more of the yes the philosophical stuff? Let's do it. Bring me back. So, <laughs> so something so, something I've been thinking a lot about is how how we don't we think we know a lot, and we really don't know 
much at all. Mm. And um, one of the one of the people that I've learned so much uh, from this about is uh, this author, and he was uh, one of the f- kind of founders of permaculture. His name is uh, Masanobu Fukuoka. Okay. And his book, there's a book he wrote called One Straw Revolution, and in there, he so he was a, a Japanese farmer. So his yes. his father had an orchard and some farmland, and and so he took over his father's part of his father's orchard and said, "I can do this better. I can do this better by by not imposing so much on nature." Yes, I'm going to let this thing run wild a little bit. And the first thing he learned is all of those beautifully manicured mandarin trees that his father had so carefully cared for in the orchard, the ones that he was in charge of now, all strangled themselves and died because, or they got badly damaged and some of them just died. And the reason why is because they had been pruned their whole lives and then he tried to let them go wild. And you can't do that. Mm. You can't just turn off that switch and just stop caring for something. Totally. And so... So he certainly was humbled by that, um, and he he learned he did eventually. Um, he was able to bring that orchard and that and those fields into into some natural cycles and get much more production than um, people normally assumed you could get. So he he was able to grow uh, two seasons worth of grain. He would grow rice and he would also grow I think it was barley on the same plot in a single season. Um, and, but he kept on, his book is so interesting because it's a mixture of practical farming advice, but also Mm. this, it's almost like Zen poetry. It just reads so, so simply and, and it's just as good. I would say it's just as good as any Zen poetry I've ever read, Mm. um, or any Taoist. It's very, it's very Taoist in a way as well. Um, but but there's so many things that we we think we know, yeah. like like getting eight hours of sleep. Like that's a yeah. good thing. Getting eight hours of sleep. The whole. Have you heard of how, the uh, biphasic sleep and how how eight hours of sleep is actually just like a modern construct? No, but that totally makes sense. Tell me. This is insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. I mean, there's we just have so many assumptions that that. Um, I, I want to go deep exist into this. in a natural way. Oh yes. my gosh. So, so this, um, I can't remember the name of this author, but if you search for, Oh, maybe I've got it in my notes here, but anyways, okay, here's what happens. If you, or if any human stops being exposed to artificial light and you just have the sun, you don't mm-hmm. have anything else, no mm-hmm. phone, no light bulbs. You do this for three to four weeks, which is a real commitment. You start to have, uh, biphasic sleep, and and so what what this means is you've got these you have you have two different periods of sleep with a waking kind of twilight mm. period in between that lasts for like a half an hour to an hour and a half. Yes, and this is something that um, this author I'll see if I can find that this author found out about that just through these subtle mentions in different old pieces of literature. And then he started experimenting with this and found that it, it was actually the case that, that if you get rid of all artificial light, you have a completely different sleep habit. It's mm. not this get eight hours of solid sleep. Yeah. You get, what is it, four to five hours or three to four hours, something like that. And then you wake up naturally and you're up and your things are sort of quiet. But there's this, I mean, I, I don't think we can even begin to imagine what what that type of reality is like or what kind of thoughts or ideas or what, what would happen in that state. Some people would just, I don't know. I think there's maybe a little bit of community and socializing that happens then, or maybe you just quietly sort of are in a meditative twilight state. I'm, I'm not sure. It's something that, that we, I don't know if we lost it. We traded it. We traded it for something probably better artificial light and all that. It's, it's a heck of a good thing. Um, Hmm. But yeah, we've there's, there's so many things like that that we are just unaware of. So, so without without you, there's a there's a t- there's a time um, in in this in yogic philosophy that happens uh, 
about an hour and 40, an hour and 30 minutes before the sunrise. Um, so depending on the time of the year, we're talking 3.30 to, to 4.30 a.m. Um, and that that time is really the time, I believe, when when our ancestors would have this waking state. Um where they'd have this this break in sleep. And I think it's really interesting. I think it's really interesting that you call out uh, what we think we know. Um, and sleep being like the perfect one because sleep is so important, right? Like there are very few things that are, are, can create more of a disruption in our life than if we are not getting recharged during our sleep. But sometimes sleeping ridiculous amounts of time uh, is is not recharging our body in the way that, that we need it to. So the duration, I've gone away, significantly away from the duration required to sleep and, and into actually in creating impactful sleep cycles. Have you changed anything sleep-wise in your life? Um, let's see, probably nothing for the better just because of <laughs> parenting and all that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that, I would say that the uh, cold definitely helps, right? Like yeah. you, you had, you would notice that when for using sure. the aura ring, yeah, right? You, yes. you, uh, you know, you, you use the jetpack, the icer balls or it, the other one. Did I, I don't know if I sent you a, one of the spine packs you, or not. You didn't give Have me I, a spine pack, but damn, okay. But I, I, yeah, I'm doing that. I think I promised you that last time. Oh, this is bad. <laughs> okay. Dang. So you, it is like, it's like a, it's like a Tylenol PM. This is what people mm. tell me about, uh, about using the spine chilling packs, the, the freeze fit. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you cool your body, that definitely helps. It's sort of like, um, there's that device, the chili pad, yeah, which is pretty expensive. Sure. Super and so expensive. So laying, yeah, laying on cold packs and it's just a lot of gadgetry, just like, yeah, pulling some cold packs out of the freezer and laying on those. It's like the poor man's chili yeah. pad and it definitely helps. Um, so that, I suppose, making sure that like, that the Wi-Fi is off, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. making sure the phone is in airplane mode, making sure there's no light. Yes. Basic things like that. Um, that's about it, but it, you know, it ha especially you know, as a parent, you get woken up sometimes. Sure. Kids get sick, all that, all that fun stuff. Um, as a parent, yeah. as a pet owner, right? It's just pet like, owner. Oh gosh, yeah. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, totally. <laughs> yes. Um, yep. I, so I want to go back to how you started this, which is we think we know so many things, right? And I think that one of the things that if we if we actually if we look at the things around us, we make assumptions that we know everything, right? Like you look at a glass of water on your desk and you're like, oh, that's water. But we don't really know what water is, right? We can get down to the molecular level and we can say, oh, it's, it's a combination of these things. But we don't know what those things are. They're just, they're just things. Like how did, how, did, how, did hydrogen, how did hydrogen come to be? Oh, well, it came from... This initial, this initial explosion of energy from this infinitely small point. Okay, that's that's a cool thing. How did that infinitely small point explode? Like, where 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 did everything around us come from? We know none of those answers. Very true. Yeah, it's. I've, I'm a dummy. I don't have any answers. I think. Uh, I think it's interesting to to take in all sorts of opposing perspectives and to live with, to be able to live with some paradox. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and so it's, I find it interesting to, you know, for example, like listen to someone maybe like Terrence McKenna. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and, but then also listen to someone talk about maybe Christian theology. Mm. Um, and so I like to pull from, from sort of opposing perspectives yeah. um and and another one yeah so i mentioned uh you know maybe someone like terence mckenna and taking his taking in his you know sort of um 
I would say is sort of like a psychedelic and deep, deeply historical perspective, and then also listen to maybe something about you know Christian theology, and then you know another example of that would be listening to some Tony Robbins or mm. listen to. Gary Vaynerchuk, give me a brutal ear beating about how I'm not hustling. But then <laughs> listen, but then then listen to Alan Watts and listen to him like so so like eloquently distill uh, Eastern mysticism and and how you know it, it's okay. Maybe there's a little bit more illusion here than than you think. Maybe things aren't quite as solid and linear as you think, and it's okay to let go a bit and. Yeah. To be able to hold those paradoxes at the same time, I think, can help uh, can help just bring a little bit of, well, I don't know, either confusion or just some peace into your life. Because, my goodness, there's so much insanity, especially inside the phone. And that does seem to be where everyone's living these days. So, sure. I, so, so let, me, let me ask. I think that um, bringing that, bringing perspectives that are opposing uh creates opportunity um in that the moment we identify our our thoughts with anything right the moment i say hey i know what this glass of water is then i stop and the potential of what that water really is is lost because the what what water really is right if we could actually know what water is we could know what the where everything came from if we could solve what water really is we could go back and we could we could completely construct the big bang to its to its beginning um but if i say oh that's water then my thought process ends right there so i actually think you're encouraging potential maybe you're encouraging insanity too that's that's lovely, but you're encouraging potential by bringing in those perspectives that are opposing and recognizing that we don't really know. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating amount of arrogance and hubris that we should think that we're entitled to know the nature of the universe at all. You certainly, <laughs> like, you certainly wouldn't expect that out of your out of a your cat although they probably have a better handle on it than we do but, without a doubt um, right <laughs> so that was a terrible example but how about a slug or a, i don't know a chimpanzee or whatever but yeah it is interesting um and we've got i mean my gosh yeah we're hairless monkeys with thermonuclear weapons and so it's a very interesting time yes uh to be alive and we've got global telepathy and the uh -huh. form of the internet yes and but it seems like it's all driven so much by what um what entertains and what engages the limbic system and the the mm. reptilian part of the brain and and unfortunately it seems like the internet is driven by it's all driven by pay-per-click mm. and by views and so you have this it's been called like weaponized, um, it, it, weaponizing the internet and by split testing. So you can have mm. an article and you can, <laughs> the same article can have two or three different headlines and two or three different images that they test and whichever one gets the most clicks, they optimize for that one. Yeah. And so you're tapping and, and it tends to drive more polarization, more polarization for sure. Yeah. And more ranting and people getting essentially tribal and picking sides and and uh yeah, it's a very kind it, of it, it, it's like this particular vibrational level of the of the ego in some ways you can feel that you can feel that outrage that people are looking for and that is so kind of gratifying on on one level but then when you feel where it resides in your body it, it doesn't feel great at all it does. It does. So not. then, people have to go to your studio and try to discover. <laughs> <that. laughs> Man, so yes, I will say part of part of the shift it, that that has come into my world is is this. But one of the challenges that I feel like I'm facing in the world is that I am trying to offer this. Uh, 
I'm trying to offer a place that that has answers for for being happy. And the reality is, if you were to, if we were to do the the split test, if we were to do A B tests, and I were to put my offer of being happy versus the uh, girl in a bikini on a treadmill, that's going to get more clicks. <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, life isn't fair. No, it's not fair. It's but it, and and that's I'm not saying oh poor me. Yeah. What I'm saying is, man, the things that the 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 things that we used to have that became these like areas of refuge, these places where we used to be able to go to get out of the polarity are getting drawn into the polarity. So we're now taking what used to be this this uh, kind of reconnection to, to either primal movement or, or energetic expression that was a release and reset for the body. And instead of allowing it for a be, to be a release and reset, we're allowing it to become something that just kicks us more more deeply into the extremities. And I... I'm really worried about these little bastions of, of safety going away because when they do go away, when we don't have these places where you can come and reconnect to your sanity and when you start to pretend that the places that uh, push you further towards extremes are those places of sanity, we're in a, we're in trouble as a civilization. So, I, look, I I have got to the point in my life where uh, when when things are falling apart, I'm gonna be really happy, and and my my face is gonna have a smile on it. I want I want everyone to be there, <laughs> and that I that I don't think is necessarily the goal of most people. I think the goal of most people is to drop a pant size. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm uh, I'm worried about that. I really am. I, I I'm I'm deeply. I don't know if deeply worried. I don't really. One of the one of the changes that's happened since the last time we talked. You know, last time we talked, I, I was really worried about about society and culture and and how those things can be can be changed. And I'm. I'm less concerned about that these days and I'm more concerned with can I maintain my level of joyfulness through any experience that's thrown at me? And if I can do that, people can either uh, notice and see that happening and, and they can look at that as something that they, they want to be drawn to and want to bring into their life or they can decide that uh, there are other things out there. <laughs> 